U2 is in Las Vegas at the Sphere, and the other night Bono paid tribute to Alexei Navalny during uh, the uh, cover of Crowded House's Don't Dream It's Over. Bono led the audience in a chant of Navalny's name and spoke about Ukraine's fight against Putin's invading forces. Bono said, to these people, freedom is not just a word in a song. For these people, freedom is the most important word in the world. Joe Lindsley in Kiev. Joe, that's something you've uh, talked about many times here. How are you today? Bob, good afternoon from Kiev. Uh, it's it's calm and quiet here at the moment, which is always, you know, as we get sort of distracted or, you know, there's all kinds of other news. Uh, it still is extraordinary to me that here we are, February 20th, uh, almost approaching the second anniversary of Russia's full-scale invasion and after last year's brutal, terrible, cold winter with no power, electricity, or heat, uh, it's snowing a little bit today. You know, we've gone through many months of winter uh, with no successful Russian attacks on Ukrainian infrastructure. Uh, and it's, it's pretty remarkable that the fact that I think part of it is the Russians realize that even if you did try to freeze the Ukrainians out and they had to live in the dark and the cold, they weren't going to quit. Uh, and, and so the, and that, that sort of spirit is echoed and what Bono was was saying there, as you quoted him, and what I appreciate about uh, Bono's remarks and uh, your staff had sent me this uh, story in the Wall Street Journal by uh, the the chess master, grandmaster Gary Kasparov, uh, who's who's uh, a native Russian. You know, a very few voices have tied Navalny to the story of the Ukrainians. When you read most accounts, uh, it's it's all about Navalny, and and without talking about the you know what the Ukrainians are doing. And in fact, in this in this piece in, in the Wall Street Journal today, uh, Gary Kasparov said in the discussions at the Munich Security Conference, Navalny's murder threatened to overshadow the daily death of innocent Ukrainians at the at the same hand, at, you know, at the hand of Putin. And it, I, I was very glad that he made that point because, you know, Kasparov understands this as a native Russian, as one of the few very clear Russian voices against Putin and in favor of Ukraine. He knows the chess game and the poker game of what the of what the Kremlin is doing and how there's not many accidents. You know, when it comes to, you know, the, the timing of Navalny's death, uh, you know, was during the Munich Security Conference. And indeed, uh, in the past several days, Navalny's death has overshadowed stories from Ukraine. Uh, for example, we could you know, we could have headlines about how it's cold and it's wintertime. And yet where are Russia's infrastructure attacks on Ukraine? A sign of success. Uh, we could have stories about how Russians have deleted that uh, Donbass city of Advivka. It, it, it's gone. It's been erased. Uh, instead, there's such a focus on, on, on Navalny. And the, you know, we even, as Kasparov pointed out in, in his op-ed in the journal, you know, uh, we have uh, President Biden and European officials uh, in response to the death of Navalny, you know, have very strong statements saying, oh, more sanctions. But the the question is, you know, after two years of full scale invasion, you know, how could you possibly have more sanctions? Right. I mean, if if you were so moved by the Ukrainians and their resistance against tyranny, uh, you know, you think that we, all, that we already would have every possible sanction we could imagine. And yet there's not. And, and it's, it's the death of Navalny that is because it's a popular trending topic that is spurring people to say, oh, time for more sanctions on Russia. And meanwhile, you know, you have, you know, <laughs> children uh, in, in, in Kharkiv going to school uh, in the subway system because they can't be above ground uh, for, because at any moment missiles could hit. Uh, you have 
uh, soldiers giving their lives every single day. And, and what's often forgotten is that those soldiers, you know, most of the Ukrainian soldiers are not professional. But, you know, they, they were civilians before February 24th, 2022. And, and, and they're only for, you know, they, they have to be soldiers if they want to have freedom now. Uh, but they are really civilians, and that's what they intend to be. And, and so, so much of this gets, gets lost in, in this conversation about Navalny. And as Kasparov said, uh, the West seems intent on duplicating the apathy of the Russians. And, and what Kasparov says so well in that story in the journal is that the Russian people also failed Navalny. You know, Navalny was a voice willing to be critical of Putin. Uh, you know, Ukrainians are very critical of Navalny. I mean, he, he eventually sort of came down on the side of Ukraine, but he was in favor, um, you know, uh, at times of taking Crimea from Ukraine. He was in favor in some ways of Russia's invasion of Georgia in 2008. Uh, but still, he was, an, uh, he was an opposition voice, and he led a rally, for example, uh, in Moscow in 2011, uh, when, when, the, when people were rising up against the regime. And, and Kasparov says that it was the, you know, sort of the, he, he put it very eloquently. He said, the, um, the, in one sense, Navalny was the last gasp of Russian society, a Russian society that failed Navalny, failed Russia, and failed the world with its apathy. Mm. A man of optimism and action in a country of nihilism and inaction. And, and here's where, this is sort of the political theory that we see playing out uh, in this war. Because, you know, R Russians, you know, by their refusal to take to the streets every day and resist, and yes, even face bullets from the regime, they allow the Kremlin to unleash hell and war upon the world. Um, and even if, if you go back and read the, the great, Russian novelist Dostoevsky, uh, who I, I was re really one of my favorite writers uh, before all this time, his book Demons describes sort of this disease of apathy and nihilism taking over Russian politics in, in the middle of the 19th century. And that is such a contrast with, with Ukraine, uh, as, as Kasparov and a few others point out. You know, Ukraine, I mean, 10 years ago from this very day, Ukrainians that had been in the main square of Kyiv, just a few blocks from where I'm talking to you right now, protesting, and, and the protests got bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and they, 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 it, it, sometimes when we hear stories about the, the Euromaidan protest, we're told it's because Ukrainians wanted to be part of the EU or be more aligned with Washington, and it wasn't that. It was that they didn't want to be governed by anyone besides themselves. And in these pro, I mean, I know so many people who were there in the Maidan, in the main square. They were left and they were right. They were all different religions. Uh, and, and, and they were united in this sense that, you know, after a century of Sovietism, after centuries of being ruled by other people, this was their moment uh, to, to, to be free. And they stayed in that main square. And, and today, February 20th, 10 years ago, uh, was some of the worst violence. Uh, the regime, it was the last day. No one knew this for sure. It was the last day that the pro-Putin regime was in power. And they sent the uh, secret police, the Berkut, into the main square. Uh, at least 77 uh, of these protesters were killed. And uh, at the same moment, you had European leaders and American leaders, you know, trying to move in and negotiate. They were uh, Donald Tusk, who was prime minister then and now he's prime minister once again in Poland. He uh, thought he convinced the, along with EU officials, convinced the Yanukovych government uh, here in Kiev. Uh, to agree to hold some elections in the summertime. And the people said, no, we're not buying that. If we don't change now, it's never going to happen. 
And, and so this is the opposite of sort of the apathy uh, we see from the Russians. And uh, people began, people were taking trains and, and buses from cities all over Ukraine, especially in the West, to come here to Kiev because they knew this was the moment to stand, even as they knew people were getting killed. And I heard, I heard the story in Lviv that uh, word leaked out that the secret police in Lviv were going to block the highways to Kiev. And so as soon as the word spread, it was some uh, internal leak, uh, people in Lviv got in their cars and they drove to the secret police headquarters and surrounded it in their cars. You know, th- you know nothing fancy, just prevented the secret police from leaving their headquarters. And so this was the depth and, the, and, and how, how widespread the, the, the movement was. And uh, I wanted to share with you th- this clip uh, of the people singing the national anthem uh, 10 years ago this week. Uh, they were wearing hard hats. They had built barricades. You can hear the, uh, the smoke bombs of the secret police. Uh, and, and, and already people had been killed. And, and still the people stood there singing their anthem. And it, 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 it'll take us to this moment of what it means to really resist against tyranny, just listening to, the, to this music. It's like uh, Kasparov said in, in that Wall Street Journal piece, uh, uh, he, uh, Navalny might still be alive if his countrymen showed the same courage that Ukrainians have. Indeed. And, and, and then, but th- this is, I think, the, the key perspective shift is, you know, wh- I mean, we, we, Ukraine, as, we, as I said yesterday, Ukraine is a nation of Navalny's. I mean, every mm. single day here, people are resisting, whether, you know, whether it's those students... Uh, in, in the subways in Kharkiv, they, I mean, you know, think of all the people in places in eastern Ukraine that could easily be living in Spain or some, you know, living in Europe as refugees, and they're here. Yeah. That's part of the resistance. And, and, and uh, so th- I hope this doesn't get missed and obscured, um, especially as, you know, th- this 10-year anniversary of, of Ukraine's Maidan, which shows people that it, it, it can be painful, but it is possible to, 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 to st- make a stand and live in freedom. And, and one other piece of good news that, that gets missed um, in the past three days, Ukrainians have destroyed six Russian fighter jets. Uh, so while the world still dithers and, and, and maybe sometimes not focused, the Ukrainians are continuing uh, diligently to, to try to stop this threat. Joseph Lindsley in Kiev. Thank you, Joe. Talk to you tomorrow. Till tomorrow. Thank you, Bob.